This whole idea of when things are falling apart, it's about a mindset. It's about that all of us are influenced by things around us and how we think about the things that are happening around us. And that is what influences, are we surviving or are we barely surviving? You're listening to In The Hour with Jared Nichols and Molly Daskal. First of all, Lolly, this is exciting because it's our first official podcast, and uh, and I'm honored to be here with you, and and uh, I know that we're gonna have a lot of fun with this. So, uh, first thing that I want to throw out here is the topic that you brought to mind for this discussion, and it's really relevant, of course, to the place that we're at right now, but also I think this this is a question that we should be asking ourselves all the time. And that question that you posed is, what do we do when things fall apart? So let me kick it over to you. Why don't you set us up for this conversation today? Tell, tell, share with me a little bit more about what was in your mind and your heart when you started to put this down as a topic to discuss. Absolutely. And the topic of when things fall apart pertains to life, pertains to business, it pertains to the cycles that we go through as we're living our lives. And I thought it was very important because sometimes people get devastated when things fall apart. And I wanna talk about the opportunity when things fall apart. And that's why I said, Jared, let's talk about that because it's on top of people's minds. So it was very important for me to bring this topic forward. Yeah, yeah you know, something I remember, Lolly, uh, yeah, just to give anybody listening a little bit of a, uh, a background here, we talked a few weeks ago from this point, and this was probably a month or two into the pandemic and the shutdown. So New York was still in a state of turmoil. I mean, there's still probably, you know, again, we haven't touched base to say what's it actually like on the ground there, you being in, in New York and I'm here in Charlotte. But one thing that, um, that really stood out in our conversation was the, the, the complete opposite experiences that we were having in the middle of this. You know, uh, this time period has felt more like a, a much needed slowdown for people like myself where we're not I'm not living in a, a crowded metropolitan area uh, you know we did not have the kind of situation that you all have had in New York City and I just remember sharing with you the experiences that I was having and you were saying yeah that's nothing like it is for us it's like a war zone here and so you're right. I mean, things were falling apart all around you. I think what you said, you're like, I've been indoors for 72 days. I think, you know, I could be getting the numbers wrong, but I was like, wow, I get to go play out in the backyard with my kids. You know, this is a very different kind of experience right now. So tell me a little bit. I mean, obviously, you know, nobody's immune from this. Um, what was that experience like for you? And how would you encompass this idea of things falling apart? And what have you been able to take from this? And Build from there. So a small correction, 102 days. Ha <laughs> ha. See, Hard numbers thing. are never my strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's interesting because I was working throughout this crisis and my clients, some of them were thriving and some of them were barely surviving. And the idea of that was very interesting to me. I was having a hard time and I didn't think I would have a hard time. And the thing about it is, is that I did feel like things were imploding and things were falling apart, but not in the way that things weren't working for me. They were, it was more about my thoughts than anything else. And I believe that those that were surviving, right? My clients 
we're thinking thoughts, I've got to be busy, we're revving up business. Even one of my clients who I've been working with now for like 10 years, he changed his whole business in three weeks of things starting to fall apart. We recreated and recalibrated his whole business that he's like number one seller on Amazon right now. Uh, he's talking about buying his own plane right now. I mean, he's done amazing in this crisis. And I think that this whole idea of when things are falling apart, it's about a mindset. It's about that all of us are influenced by things around us and how we think about the things that are happening around us. And that is what influences, are we surviving or are we barely surviving? What I noticed for myself is the reason I was feeling things were falling apart is because for me, family is very important. My three children, they're not children, they're adults right, right. now. But they're still your children, yeah. You brought them into the world. Children. But the fact that I couldn't see them, I couldn't hug them, I wasn't in their presence was very, very difficult for me. And we talked during this crisis and I was telling you that I, at night, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, I would watch you know, the ambulance and the police show up and people being taken out of their apartments and buildings, almost like a nightly ritual. And it was scaring me to death that I still wanna be here and I don't wanna have anything to, not, not that I don't wanna have anything to do with it, but I don't want it to catch me. Right. And so quarantine, quarantine, stay safe, even though I wanna see my family, my mindset had to be the opposite of when things are falling apart. And I had to do something about my mindset that was very important. Yeah. You know, I can only imagine knowing you. Uh, you and I are wired similarly, uh, except I don't read a book a day. I'm lucky if I get one, you know, most of a book down in a couple months just because I'm too ADD for that. But what I, I just try to imagine your situation being in New York City and you're somebody who is constantly on the move, which I totally relate to. You know, we're hardwired that way. Nobody's ever had to convince us, hey, you need to work harder. I'm like, no, you need to keep up because, you know, good luck trying to keep up with me here. And I can only imagine what that must be like being stuck, right, you know, in this place where you can't move at the speed that you're used to moving at, um, that you are forced to rethink uh, just the way you spend your time. Uh, I know other folks, maybe you haven't, you and I have not talked about this, but I know this is one thing that's come up a lot is that um, regardless of your situation, anybody, we're being forced to rethink how we spend our time and energy. And I think for a number of folks, uh, especially those that work in a corporate environment where they are, uh, they have to commute, long commutes, they're sitting in meetings to discuss meetings about this other meeting that they're going to have, and they're on endless email threads, the things that just take up and suck energy and time out uh, to stop and go, why are we doing this? And why, And whose time am I really spending? Because it's probably not my own. How did you, I think what I'd really like to know is somebody that moves at your pace and at your caliber, uh, you know, so, how did you uh, reframe your investment of time and then how did you change the way you measured that as like, this is a good use of my time. This is, I'm still able to continue going because you're not somebody who just sits there and gives up and go, oh God, I can be in quarantine. I mean, I think you're somebody who's gonna start ripping out walls if you're in there much longer, <laughs> so. <laughs> so I had a very different experience than what you're talking about. So it wasn't about ripping out walls or anything like that. It was a very interesting introspective journey for me. It went in a different direction. 
for me, who's always on a plane traveling to clients, you know, meeting with them in their states, wherever they are, going across the pond, going wherever my clients were, I didn't miss the getting on the plane and coming back exhausted. It wasn't about that. It was a different experience for me. What was happening was, is that I was forced to slow down. And in the force to slow down, I found that my thoughts were darker than they needed to be. And I asked myself, Lolly, what are you going to do about it? So it wasn't about, do I need to start doing more action? It wasn't about action. It was more about who was I going to be in this environment that was going to change me for maybe the future or maybe change how I was going to be throughout this process. It was very interesting. It wasn't about climbing the walls or anything like that. This is what happened to me. This is a personal experience, is that I think things are falling apart. Uh, the first thing is panic. The second thing is, is it true that things are falling apart? Is that a really true thought? And then this, what happens is, is that I say to myself, okay, things are falling apart has now entered your psyche but it doesn't mean that things are really bad, right? So what I, the next thing I said is, what is life asking of me? And what I found was that life was asking to find the hero within me. And this was an interesting conversation because I said to myself, what does that mean? Most people think when you have to find the hero within yourself, it means that you have to do extraordinary acts. And frankly, I wasn't able to do extraordinary acts. I was stuck in my apartment in New York City, watching horrible things happening outside my window. And so what it was telling me was that I had to find a new way of being. And the, the being was a new set of mindset. And this is really interesting because it, it this is what I said to myself one night. I, I'll never forget. It was like three o'clock in the morning. The city's awake. I counted one evening in one hour between hearing the fire engines and police cars, um, you know, the sounds of the sirens, 72 sirens going back and forth. There was not any peace or quiet for hours. And I said to myself, if I'm going to be the hero of my life in this situation, I'm going to have to find my moral courage. I'm going to have to find something within my life that I didn't have before this. So about how I was gonna change my time or what am I gonna do about my clients? It was really an, an inner journey that I was taking. It was almost like trying to find something within myself that hasn't been expressed. That makes total sense. I mean, that's what I really think of too, is that the experience, uh, that I've had similar to you, except in a different kind of context. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I can still, you know, I, we have a lot more, we have more space to roam to where we don't feel as, as stuck in a number of ways. But I think a couple of things come to mind when you talk about that. Number one is that the idea of things falling apart, the question that comes up is, well, we may, you know, because things have fallen apart, a lot of those things that fall, have fallen apart needed to fall apart. It was inevitable. They were going to fall apart. 
and so it forces us to stop when I think about this and going back to the the way I framed this earlier this is a better way of, of putting this is that we it forces us to question those things like you were saying what's that new way of thinking because I know for myself personally that uh, when when we're moving at 90 to nothing oftentimes it's a and I'm self-aware enough to know this I'm like I'm distracting myself like I know there's shit that I've got to deal with there's some baggage over here I've got to handle I know it I can see it it's not like it's hidden and dusting and you know it's I know it's there but I'm busy so I'm going to keep on going and a lot of people have dealt with that in the past and uh, I'm busy and so you know, now we're at this point where we have to stop and, and kind of face those things that are there and ask those hard questions that we haven't asked. So, yeah, I, I think that's the mindset, finding that, that inner hero. What and who, more importantly, are you going to be in this moment right now? So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you want to hear something funny? And with my clients, there is this thing called, my clients always say there's a lollyism. Because there's a situation we're talking about, and then I'll say something, and I go, oh, that's another lollyism. Let's write it down. <laughs> and so while you we were talking, I thought of one. And this is what came to mind. Sometimes when we think things are falling apart, I think they're happening so that better things can fall together, can come together, or so that better things can fall together or become something new. Maybe I screwed up that little oh, lollyism. Like that. But when things fall together, there you go. Right, they're falling back together, but in a new way. Yeah. Not, not in a way that we thought it should be or could be, but because life has come at us with whatever circumstances it has, and we haven't been here before, we have to put the puzzle pieces together, and it's very new from what it was. And in that, that's where the gift is. That's where the change happens, and that's where it changes you. That's where you have a new being that you didn't even know you had before. Right. Yeah. Well, it's been there. You know, it's always been there. But we've right. had so much uh, external distractions and stimulus. So it's just coming at us. That's telling us, pay attention to this. Pay attention to this. Don't pay attention to yourself because you might not like what you see. Right. You know, this is kind of the, the, the greater or the, uh, the dominant narrative in our culture it has been move super fast you don't need to know where you're going. Just try to keep up, right? And uh, this pandemic and our current situation, and never to minimize people's experiences that are suffering, uh, who have been ill, but then who are also suffering because they've lost jobs. I'm fully aware of that. But it has forced us as people to slow down and to really start to say, do I want to go back to the way things were? You know, do we really want to rush back to normal? Because let's face it, normal hasn't been working for a long time, but we, it was working enough to where we're like, well, I don't have time to really sit there and analyze what's wrong with it because I got to pay my bills, because I got to get to this, because I'm being told that, no, this here is important and that's important and because everything's important, I don't have time for the things that are truly important, right? That's That's where I think we are right now, you know? And I really like your concept of, things falling back together because it's not it's not like it's something that's new to us as humans it's something very old and deep to who we are we've just lost sight of it it's interesting that you say that because what i'm thinking about as you were speaking this thought that the only place 
that we can truly find ourselves is not in the past because our past is colored by, we color our memories of the past. It's not even in the future, it's in the present moment. That's where everything happens. And you talked about that you're always distracted. The fact is, is that distractions take us away from being very present. So the, in every struggle, in every pain, and trust me, I've been through my fair, I've had struggles. It's if that if we think about only the past and we think about only the future, I'm not so sure we can be the best that we need to be in the present. And so, um, and this is timeless. It's not so much about the pandemic. It's not so much about Corona. It's not so much about that topic in as much as it is in your life when you have felt that things are falling apart, no matter, it could be illness, it could be failure, it could be relationship. It's everything across the board. When you feel that way or when you think that way, it's very important how you show up if you're going to survive or thrive. And I think that's why this topic is so important because it's timeless. And that's why I was like, let's talk about this because I think it's so important for everybody listening. No, I completely agree. You know, I think, and you, you are right. When we are thinking about the past or we're thinking about the future, we're not where we are. I mean, the fact is, is that time is a man-made construct. It's not a real thing. It's just not. So when we are considering the future, we are just projecting what we know right now, and we are removing ourselves from the things that are right in front of our face. So you're, you're completely spot on with that. Uh, but that's a hard thing for a lot of us. I know for myself and several people that I've talked to, people that are you know, really healthy, you know, not, you know, very, very successful, but they will also tell you at the same time, I have a hard time just being by myself. Okay. Because a lot of so us have, you know, about, yeah. Let's talk about it. Cause I think what you're saying is so important and I love your vulnerability about saying it's hard. Yeah. So go back to what we talked about a little bit earlier when I said that this crisis was asking something of me and I talked about, I named it finding the hero within me. Mm -hmm. Now, People have a hard time being by themselves because there is an expectation of what it needs to be, oh, right? Yeah. There's kind of like judgment that we put on it or, you know, this is right, this is wrong. The idea of just sitting still and doing absolutely nothing is not something that many people do, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm going to turn it on its head for a second. And I want to go back to something that I said earlier about, for me, when I said I wanted to find the hero from within. And I want to expand on that and then bring it back to what you just said. Is that to find the hero within, it meant that I would have to look at myself and see myself in a much quieter way. Mm -hmm. Meaning, I wasn't traveling, I wasn't running, I wasn't doing, I would have to be. And what does that mean? And so I thought to myself, what does this all mean? And this is some of the things that came to my, this is what I thought of. Number one is, is that in our lives, we're always in training. I feel like we're always training to be a better version of ourselves, right? Right, yeah. right? I, I, that's how I think yeah, of my life. Yeah. You know? Why I read a book a day, right? It's like, I wanna know something today that I didn't know yesterday. 
So this is what I thought of. I'm going to share my intimate thoughts with you right uh -oh. now. Uh-oh. <laughs> I thought to myself, I said, okay, if there is an act of kindness, that's part of being a hero. If there is um, a show of compassion to someone, how would I show compassion? Like in this existence, like I was trying to reinvent what I was going to be in the moment, but guess what I needed most? I needed self-compassion first. Yeah. I'm a doer. I'm a doer more so than I'm a beer. Like I want to be there for you. I want to do for you. You know, I'm a coach, right? So I have presence with others, helping them be a better version of themselves. So I'm used to showing compassion, but what would it mean to show self-compassion? Yeah. What would it mean that in, in whatever that was happening around me, that it would bring out the best of myself and that I wouldn't judge it, right? Yeah. So let's stay here for a second with that thought. Self-compassion, how many times do we spend thinking about ourselves? We're so much, uh, I know I'm of service to others all the time. That meant that if I was gonna so show self-compassion to myself, my mindset would have to change. My being would have to change. And what was asking of my life was to grow, develop, and evolve into something else that I wasn't before. And I found it to be profound. I found it that if you live your life of service to others and always asking others, how can I be there for you? How can I support you? What do you need? And you're not used to receiving, this was going to be the time to receive, but not from others. I was going to have to give it to myself. Right. Yeah. And that to me was a game changer. Yeah. That was a that was a new growing that was a new muscle for me yeah. as a person. Well, action oriented people. I'm the same way. I'm always on the go. And uh, you know, not like you. It's not a mindless act. It's we think through. We think through ten different scenarios of you know when you walk into a building, you already know where the exit is. You're like, yeah, I know how I'm going to get out of here. Hey, this is just the way that we operate. Where <laughs> some people are like, oh, this is nice. Yeah, I'm going to hang out here for a little bit. We're like, no, no, no. We, we're on a mission. We have something to get done. But this is a, so you, you've said a couple things here that I think are really important. And it always depends on how somebody's hardwired. You and I are wired different than, differently than a lot of people. I think this is also why we're just not cut out to be somebody's employee, right? We're just not like, no, 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 yeah. You know, we, we, have, we know what we wanna do. We're gonna get going on that. So it's this idea of, you were using the example, we'll start with the last thing you said about constantly being in service to others. I'm not saying this is the way you were framing it, but it made me think of my wife. So my wife is opposite of me, which means she's intelligent. She can read and stay on track. She can, she's just she's an outstanding individual, and I am just thrilled that somebody wants to spend the rest of their life with me. So I tread lightly. But she is somebody who's constantly doing things for other people. And she and I have talked about this a lot as well. But she has the hardest time letting other people do things for her. So this is similar. Okay, so Law, you're pointing to yourself here. So this right here too, as she and I have gone through this, it's also a defense mechanism because it requires vulnerability to let, it's almost like an admission of need. And she doesn't like that. And it drives me crazy because she said, Jared, you have no problem telling me what it is that you need. You know, because it's not like I'm saying, I'm not a needy person, but I'm very clear. Like I'm not beating around the bush. There's no ambiguity. It's like, this is what I need. Hey, this is what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> And I just go straight for it. And so she has that, that issue um, 
Uh, and I think it's, it's one way of coping with the reality that most of us have been taught from an early age to not have compassion for ourselves, that we should be better, that uh, we're doing it wrong. You need to do it right. I mean, for me to go back to what you were talking about, about taking care of yourself, one thing that I've had to do, and I don't do this as often as I need to, is that, it, and, and this especially happened when I would watch my two boys. They're six and nine years old right now. And it was my nine-year-old who really triggered this in my mind, and that was I would watch him play by himself when he was a lot younger, and he would just get into his own little world, and I'd watch him do stuff. And he's like his dad. He's ADD, very creative, all, you know, has... He, can, he has so many things going on. It's just this magical thing to watch. And I started to see myself in him as I'm watching him play. He has no idea I'm doing this. And it made me realize that, that one of the best things that I can do on a regular basis, and like I said, I don't do this often enough, is to sit still and spend time with myself as a child, like when I was his age, and sit there and admire, like, the things that we have smashed down and buried, you know, to say, well, we don't have time for those childish things. We don't have time for this. And it's like, what, what forced us into that realm? What made us think that way? And when we were forced to stop in a place like a pandemic where we're being put into quarantine or, you know, these mandated, hey, social distancing, a lot of us have to start asking those questions is, you know, uh, now is the time to reset because when things do start to pick back up and we do have a new way forward, I would hope, I know for me, but I would hope most of us would become more self-aware, have become more self-caring and, and are, are taking a different path forward than just trying to replicate what we've done. Because that certainly didn't work and we'll find ourselves here in the same place again if we just you know mindlessly go back to that. So you said a lot of interesting things and this is what kept popping up in my head. I was finding the hero in me. You were finding the child in you. Yeah. Right? So each person needs this slowing down. It's finding something that they need. You know, you know, when you talked about your wife, the reason why those of us who don't ask for help is because we have been taught you should be self-sufficient. You should know how to do things by yourself. Um, you can't rely on anybody else but yourself. There are messages that we have been given in our, you know, childhood or adulthood that we've taken to heart. Yeah. And, you know, there's even a thought that if you think of yourself, you're selfish. Yeah, and, she does that. Mm -hmm. Right? And so that idea about selfish, but we know that if you're on a plane... What do they say first? If you're traveling with a child, put the mask on yourself first before you put it on your child because you can't be of use to your child if you can't breathe, right? right? There's, a, there's a catastrophe or something happening. And so that analogy or that scenario about putting the mask first on yourself is something that we have to remember when we're thinking we're selfish. It's something that we have to think about when all those other messaging that we've gotten we take to heart. Um, and I've, I've gotten those messages. I know. Um, I try to be more vulnerable. I try to tell my kids, you know, my adult children, that I need things, that I need them, I need to see them. Um, we had Mother's Day, you know, stuck in our apartments. 
but across the street from me, there was um, this woman who lives on the fifth floor. Her kids lined up outside of the building and they stood in a line and they were talking to their mother through, you know, from being downstairs yelling up to the fifth floor. And I thought, wow, people find a way how to be of service, right? Or be there for others. So yeah. One point I was joking. I took a picture of it. I said, look what kids are doing to I their I was about mom. to ask you. I was like, did you did you take the opportunity to use it to guilt the kids? Because <laughs> that would be perfect. I did, it didn't work. Yeah, there was no ta- they didn't take it. I was oh, like, oh, man. that's so cute. Oh. Um, but uh, I have to be more forthcoming about what I want, how I want it, and not think I'm selfish. Because I do have a servant heart. You know, my line of business is almost not being the forefront person, but being in the background, just being there of service to others. And I've been doing it for decades. And um, I this this crisis has taught me, what do you want, Lolly? What opportunities do you want to take? See, I'm looking at this whole thing as an opportunity. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm looking at the struggle that I've been through, all the feelings and thoughts that I've been through as an opportunity. How? Because it changed my perspective, because it gave me more meaning, because it made me find something within myself that I didn't know I had before. I think it's very powerful. Well, I think it's that's important for somebody like yourself to say that, right? I mean, you know, we never stop growing. We never stop learning. Even those who think they've got it all figured out, they're still learning. They're just not really aware of it, you know, and maybe they don't know how to express that learning. But and I know it sounds crazy, but we see this more and more today, especially in our highly polarized environment. Again, on a media side of things or on the way the, the national conversation, which, again, is separate from actual real people conversations. I have yet to meet an extremist on one end or the other. I'm like, you know, <laughs> most people are in the middle. But there's this narrative and this idea that we are uh, we, we belong to one camp or the other, that it's this or it's that. But, you know, it just becomes annoying. It's just noise. And they're, you know, and, and uh, our media machines highlight ignorance. We're not highlighting insight or compassion. We're not highlighting the better parts of who we are. We're highlighting the worst. So people get outraged and people pay attention because attention is currency. And it creates this situation where nobody trusts anything. And, uh, yeah, it's brought us to where we are right now. So we have to really be more aware. It's interesting that you're saying what you're saying, because I think about it a little bit differently. I think about that the media for a long time has projected perfectionism in individuals, like celebrities or they've made it. Even in my field, if you think about the individuals that I work with, on paper, they're the smartest and the best, the most talented, I mean, they're running Fortune 500 companies. It's who you want to be like. It's what you want to be when you grow up. But if you pull the curtain back, right, like the Wizard of Oz, you notice there is no perfectionism. No. It's no, uh, it's not really what you think it is. It's the story that we tell ourselves. And most likely, all of us as individuals, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this out loud, are insecure on the inside and do struggle, do have painful moments, and nobody's exempt. Nobody. And I think it's very, very 
toxic to build somebody up to be something that they're not. But I think what we're missing in society as a whole is finding the humanity that exists within all of us, that self-compassion that we need in order to recognize within ourselves we're being human and we're doing our best. Right. And so I think that if we're going to emerge differently from all of this and everything that's going on is we have to stop being a bystander. We have to stop being passive. We have to stop being a victim. And what we need to do is to really decide for ourselves how we're going to show up. What are we going to do with our thoughts? Things are falling apart. What is our mindset? What is our attitude? Because if we don't do that, what's going to happen is society is going to decide for us who we're going to be. That's exactly right. No, and I love that you put it that way because something I talk about a lot or a question I pose all the time is whose idea of the future are you creating? It's either yours or somebody else's, but you are creating somebody's idea of the future. Bottom line, that's just what it comes down to. And this, all of us do have insecurities. That's, that is just a fact. And you're right. Um, especially for people that are running organizations or that have been put up on a pedestal. Because one thing I know, you know, this clients that I work with deal with the same thing is that it gets lonelier and lonelier the further up that ladder you go. And you never really know. You just become this isolated, hey, are people this way to me because of who I am and what I can do for them? Or do they actually give a shit? And they start questioning so many parts of who they are. And this is why we have to take a moment like this to really uh, get back in touch with ourselves, to really know what we want, to know what what is my idea of the future and how can I stop creating somebody else's because the other thing that I think we have to get away from one big idea that we've had in our country in the U.S. here for so long is this um, hyper focus on the individual now I'm all for being individual you know I'm like hey look I don't care what you do leave me alone I'll support you Uh, we can all get along but I also know that as human beings we are biologically designed to be social We are biologically designed to survive with each other, but that is in direct contrast to this overarching narrative that it's all about you in the land of opportunity, and if you can work real hard, you'll get to the top. It's bullshit. Some of it, yes, you do need to work hard, but to to present this hyper-focus on, you know, I'm going to elevate this person so we all strive to be like that person is just a false narrative. You know, it's, it's not real. Go talk to the people that are at the top. You know, I have yet to ever hear or meet anyone who says, I did it all by myself. No one ever helped me. I, uh, you know, I don't even know the womb I came out of, but I just magically ran out of the hospital and started kicking ass. That's, that's a myth. So, well, we're saying two different things. I want to just bring it full circle. Is that okay? Absolutely. When I talk about working on you, I'm talking about doing that inner work that nobody wants to do. So I think it's very important to work on you. When you're talking about you, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I want to make sure that we bring this home to where it's very powerful and profound. When you're talking about you, you're saying, don't concentrate on you, that it takes a team, it takes a village to be who you are. But I really think the foundational element, before you can be in a village, before you can be part of a team, if you don't do the inner work of you oh, yeah. and talking about the baggage and talking about your mindset and 
getting the best version of yourself. That's why I said I have to find that hero of myself. And, you know, in my book, The Leadership Gap, it's one of the archetypes that are so important. The hero is not someone who's constantly doing courageous acts. And I said that earlier. It's about how you show up being yourself, the version of yourself, because this is what I truly believe is that we really don't know where we're going and we don't know what's going to happen, right? I don't think we know that. I mean, we can say we want this to happen. We can say we know where we want to go. But the truth is, is that we only have right now. And that's why I talk about the you in a different way. Yes, you need to be you in a team, but before you can be you in a team, let's work on the version of ourselves. And that means your mindset. That means getting the best version of yourself. Are we saying the same thing? We are, thing? absolutely, yeah. Or so I would say that that comes first, right? Is that number one, we have to get really clear and get back in touch with ourselves. We have to get honest with ourselves. This whole, whose idea are we creating? Well, that's that's right. the inner work. And when we can right. reconcile that, then we can show up and be the best contributor to society yeah. as a whole because we have to go in that direction if we're going to make it you know, out of this. We have to have a new way forward. But in order to do that, we have to be whole people as much as possible as individuals and focus on how do we create a society and how do we create a world that has greater equity, that creates a foundation for those who will come behind us, and that is not just uh, you know, focused on 90-day intervals, right? It's not just focused on the short-term gains that we can extract from the world, but it's focused more on what are we building that when we are gone, our children and our grandchildren will look on with pride and say, we are so proud of the generation that did this for us. We have an example to follow here. That, you know, and on, on a large scale, that's how we have to think. But when it comes to, so that's the first thing is the inner work. When I talk about this changing these dominant narratives about uh, idolizing individuals alone, yes, honor and, you know, and respect and, and look up to as examples, but to say that that should be every individual's goal, it forces us to look at each other's competitors, not collaborators. And that's the fundamental problem that we find ourselves in. And so a new way forward, we have to be more collaborative in its true sense. But in order to do that, we have to be secure in who we are first. So we are saying the same thing. It's, so I completely agree. So I always tell my clients, you need to live by the 1840-60 rule. And the 1840-60 rule is this. At 18, when we were 18 years old, we cared about what we needed to do, how we showed up in the world, what people would think about us, what would they say about us. When we were 40, we were like, you know what? I don't care what you think about me. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I want to make myself happy. Midlife crisis happens, right? And you're out buying a motorcycle. You leave your wife of 20 years. You're going to do all these things because it's about me, me, me. You get to be 60, you realize nobody gave a rat's ass what you did, how you did it, why you did it. Most people are so busy thinking about themselves, they weren't thinking about you. And if that is true, if you had the mindset of the 60 rule when you were 18, what would you do different today? If nobody really cared and you didn't have to prove anything to anybody and you could be your authentic self, what would you do different today? And I think it's a very powerful rule because don't go through what everybody else goes through. Get rid of the 18 and the 40 and ask yourself today, at whatever age you are, what am I going to be doing? 
what should I be doing differently? And I think it's very powerful. I love that. And so I'll go ahead and use and and use myself for example. Um, I'm a walking contradiction in so many ways. I just am. I am fiercely independent. Uh, my wife, who is a social worker, says that I'm classic oppositional defiant, right? Where I'm just like, I just have zero. It takes a lot for me to respect somebody's authority. You know, I mean, I'm not belligerent. You know, I am respectful, of course, but um, I just like to do things my own way. Uh, you know, left-handed, ADD, a musician since I was 13 years old, still can't read a lick of music, but all I've done is compose music, most of which I've forgotten because I can't read music. You see, I have all of these things that are going on here. That was what I ultimately wanted to do and to be. But at the same time, so many of the decisions that I've made about my professional career from early on, even though I've never worked for anybody in my entire professional career, that's just part of how I'm wired. I don't recommend that path for everyone, but I'm built that way. And so most of those decisions I realized uh, almost 10 years ago were made to prove other people wrong. People that, by the way, didn't even know or give a shit if I, they were like, they, I, they just didn't. But it was for me because I was constantly as a kid being told, no, do it this way. Put it in your right hand. Again, and let me put the disclaimer out here. I had a great childhood. I'm an army brat. My parents loved me. My mom and I, yes, we disagreed on a lot of things, but I did not have a rough upbringing. So this is not a pity party. But there's these small things that you start allowing to take hold in your mind that you don't fit the same way that everybody else does. I really should have been born a decade later because now they praise people like me who are like right-brained and do everything kind of bizarre. But I still to this day, even though I'm aware of it, still carry a lot of that baggage that I have to unpack where I am not fully allowing myself, the 60 rule, that's why this came up, allowing myself to just let it rip. I'm still on that journey, right? I, and it's, and people might, you know, people that know me say, what? How much more could you do? You kind of do everything on your own. I'm like, yeah, you've seen nothing yet. I'm kind of afraid what will happen if I just really let this beast out, you know? And so, but it's a hard thing. Like when you have the opportunity to do it, that can sometimes be the most scary thing when you have bought into this idea that you shouldn't for so long and you just create a box that's safe enough to push the boundaries. You still feel like you're being yourself, but you know deep inside, like there's more of me to give here. There's more of me that I'm supposed to be bringing into this. I love this idea of about 1840 and 60. And if you could put 60 at the front, how much different would things be? Because that's something I want to think about. You know, that's a wonderful, wonderful framework to think about that. So, yeah, I like that. It's a game changer, isn't it? Oh, your wife is going to be calling me tonight. Oh, my God. Oh, she she and I talk about it. I'm a, uh, I communicate a lot, you know, whereas my wife likes to hold things close to the best. She's gotten a lot better in, uh, you know, in over 16 years of marriage, she's gotten a lot better at, at expressing things because I'm very expressive. I'm like, no, let's talk about it. I'm not somebody who likes to let stuff simmer. You know, if I even get an inkling that there's a problem, hey, let's nip this in, a, in the bud real fast so that we're not dealing with this nine months down the road. Yeah, so. Uh, Jared, some people have to process. They don't have to, they don't talk about it right in that moment. So we need to respect those that are different than us. And Oh my God, there goes the coaching hat. And uh, <laughs> you know, we have to know our audience. That's also very important. Um, but if if this rule of 1840-60 is a gift to you, then I it's a game changer for a lot of people because I know many of us are stuck in the beliefs of what we need to be, how we need to be. And so with the concept of when things are falling apart, right? Full circle, let's bring it back to that. 
I think it's a gift. I think it's an opportunity that all of us can say, what is life asking of us? And I frankly think that what life is asking for us is mental toughness, is asking for healing, is asking for resilience, survival. And it's asking us to go to places or to do things that we don't need permission to do anymore, right? It's asking us, okay, if things have fallen apart, how are we gonna put it back together that is right for us under the 60 rule, not the 18 or the 40 rule? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, one other way I would say that too is that what life is asking of us is to live our life and nobody else's. It's like, Amen. do that. That's what you have the opportunity to do because in a year from now, two years from now, we will have, a, you know, people say we're in a new normal. Like, no, 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 we're creating a new normal. We're not in a new normal. We are creating it right now. Be engaged. But first, you know, live your life so that you know how you do want to show up, right? Like you were saying. So yeah. that's, a hard, that's sometimes hard. And let's not take that for granted. Live your life. For you, Jared, it's very easy because in your head, I mean, you live in parallel universes and there's a thousand things going on. <laughs> For others, just the thought of having to find myself or to be myself is a very scary thought because they have no clue what that means. And so for those of us and you know who struggle with that, what does that mean? For those who don't go off to the races and live your 60, right? But for those that are like, what does that mean? Again, it goes back to full circle how we started. It doesn't mean doing extraordinary acts. It's little small acts of kindness and compassion and self-compassion. That's where it starts. And I think that that's very important to remember. You don't have to go change the world. Start first within, and then it'll work to the bigger circle and the outer circle and the outer circle. And I think very, very powerful. Do something today that you didn't do yesterday that brings a smile on somebody's face. And I know that sounds like, oh, Pollyannish, but it really is a game changer. Yeah. It's a game changer. Why? Because we can't have two thoughts in our mind at the same time. And when we're thinking things are falling apart, then that's all we're thinking. But if we're thinking, how can I be compassionate to someone? How can I do kindness for someone? There's no room that things have fallen apart. So it's a game changer to, you know what I mean? The mindset has been shifted. Yeah, that's so right. So that's the that we can think about. No, I think, that's, I think that's, that's perfect. That's a perfect way to wrap up this conversation too, is that it, we don't have to go out and change the world in one day. But you can change somebody's world with a small act of kindness, right? Even if that somebody's yourself, right? Amen. How beautifully said. Beautifully said, Jared. Thank you. I'm going to let that one go to my head. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this has been great, Lolly. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next conversation for sure. Um, so anything you want to leave uh, the audience with? I was going to say, Jared, what's a takeaway from, for you from today's call? Start with 60. Start with 60. Yep. And for me, it would be, you know, practice self-compassion. Absolutely. It's not, it's not where I live. I live being service, you know, to others. Yeah, I love it. That's perfect. It's a great question to ask yourself. Like, what, you know, what did I hear? What can I change? What do I want to do different? Yeah. Well, I think that's a great way to sign off. Thank you for listening to In The Hour Podcast with Lolly Daskal and myself, Jared Nichols. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, I strongly encourage you to do that. 
And of course, if you know someone, friend, family, colleague who could benefit from this episode or from being a subscriber themselves, please pass this along. Also, leave your comments, your questions. We want to hear from you. We want to know what's on your mind and what you're thinking about in this time of change and, and what you want to hear more about. As always, thanks again for listening, and we look forward to being with you next week.